To get rid of those pesky ads, request stories, listen to unlisted and bonus episodes, and to chat with the gang, support us by clicking the description link. I'll go ahead and get us started. Welcome everybody to the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. Tonight I got a lovely story for you guys. You can also check in the links below, find our sister podcast, Among the Dirt and Trees with Brienne. She does crimes that occur out in nature, and it is it is rocking it right now. The last time I looked at her stats, since she's started which was i think a year ago she's already hit over 160,000 downloads which wow. is pretty pretty impressive yeah and she she loves what she does and a lot of people absolutely love that podcast are you are you ready for me to do lizzie borden next week yeah of course okay next Wait, week is you, a very special episode it's, it's no you stop. need to tell me though no not just because if you want to do lizzie borden but it's your birthday uh, next yeah. week when we record yeah, yeah. so i'll prepare i'll prepare two episodes as usual and you if you know something happens or whatever i'll still have them prepared yeah but everyone's it is not to, to say you can't do it i know what yours you're saying, is number yeah. yours would be number three no no hers will be first okay if she if she wants to do it she'll be first and and then, but I'm saying if something happens, like, I don't know, like an asteroid or something. <laughs> <laughs> something. I just got to put the PowerPoint together. Everything story-wise is good to go. Uh, welcome, everybody. Steph, Sam, Brittany, Lauren, Natasha. And we do have some new Supremos to welcome uh, from the Patreon Thomas, Lisa, and Andrea. Thanks, wow. guys, for, Thank joining you for joining this week. Thomas, Lisa, and Andrea. Thank you guys so much. Um, and before we really get started today, we do have a special surprise shot request. We, do. we are trying to get down the list. So if you're like, dang, I joined a wa- couple months ago. I still haven't heard my dedication. We we just, we, we've got a list. We had to play some catch up when uh, Jen was on our hiatus. We would not do shots without her. So, well, I appreciate that, you guys. Oh my gosh. Hey, next week when I tell my story, I think that John should sing the song. Do you want him to uh, sing the song? I, you need to write the lyrics down for me because sometimes you forget them. So I know I'll forget the, the one line that's repeated over and over. <laughs> I, I do have um, a, uh, a, a co worker who enjoys actually starting off every meeting that I have with him by singing the song. No. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Is he single? No, he's not single. Is he, he, he lives in Nashville. Is he oh. happy with his Um, I believe partner? so. Oh. I believe so. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to revoke that ask. I think I'll just keep it to myself. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. So, oh, this is good. This is going to be good with my coffee. It is. Um, I went a little rogue, though. Okay. Um, All right. I, I showed Jen, like, I was like, here, I need you to take care of this while I finish I up. Don't know, I don't know what the name of this is, but I went rogue. So it is truly a surprise for two out of the three of us. Okay. But I think it'll be a good combination. Gracias. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Brandon. Cheers, Brandon. Oh, no, it right. was good. It was good. What was that taste? What was that? Uh, Burn at the end? Yeah. Bourbon. Oh, oh, you switched it to bourbon. So actually, what, what wasn't it? Actually, that is that is pretty. That is actually pretty good. Yeah. It was supposed to be Bailey's butternut schnapps and vanilla vodka, which we did not have. We're out of vodka? We did not have vanilla vodka. Oh, it's like... How? And, but then I and I was gonna I went, and I pulled out the two and I was like you know what I think bourbon would be a good match with this and it was yeah it, yeah that was delicious it was yeah 
So, um, I don't know. What should we call that? The Brandon. The Brandon. Yeah, I like that. How's that, Brandon? Is he on? Cheers. I don't think he's on. All right. I've got a lovely story for you guys tonight. Well, we're talking about a serial killer tonight. And how many people out there on live chat... How many of you women go for a jog or you? I know you do. I want to ask you. What- Are you like in like sincerely asking that question? Because <laughs> we all know that <laughs> if you find me in the woods somewhere, it is not because I'm there by choice unless I was camping. Like if I have running shoes on and like yoga pants and I'm found dead in the woods, it is not because I went for a jog. Like I do not get inspired that easily. I get in. This is how my brain works. Oh, I should go for a jog. No, no, you shouldn't. I mean, it, it, it's a, there's like a, a several month period in in down here where you don't have that thought. You know, it's just too goddamn hot. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm asking is, do you have anything that you bring with you if something was to happen? See, guys like me, and I would guess most guys in general, we don't have to worry about things like a rapist coming up on us or spying on us in the woods somewhere. But you guys do. And that sucks, but it is what it is. So do you bring anything with you? I know Nicole has a birdie. I have one of those, too. A birdie, basically, you pull the thing out and makes this loud screech. I don't take that when I go for a run, though. Maybe you should. I want to know what you guys take. Anything? Uh, mace? Pepper spray? I know my mom carries bear mace with her. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, mom, God, there's, there's, no, mom. <laughs> there's no bear mace. Or there's no bears in Greenville, South Carolina. And she's like, I know. <laughs> but there's a lot of fucking rednecks. <laughs> That's funny. Love it. <laughs> Can you imagine getting hit with bear spray? <laughs> I love your mom. She's so spunky <laughs> but you guys need to think about that seriously because i definitely thought about this when i did this story and it happens man and you guys have to uh i mean like that birdie thing on amazon is like 12 bucks and i'm not saying that's gonna save your life but if you pull that thing and it's real loud all it does is make is real loud screech it's yeah or if you get it your key ring caught on the door and you accidentally pull it and it comes apart <laughs> In the grocery store, it also makes a loud screech there, too. Not that I know from experience or anything. Actually, there was a period of about... I would have been like, oh, he's getting away. <laughs> there was a period of like five days a few weeks ago where that thing came out of its um, top the like a couple of like like two or three times. Well, did you buy it on Amazon or Alibaba? My mom got it for me. I don't know. <laughs> But the reason I'm asking is because that's the story we're covering tonight. Great. And it is a serial killer who claimed quite a few. But so I'm ready. You're going to ruin every exercise loving female (laughs) out here. (laughs) You won't ruin me. (laughs) Oh, man. I do want to. I think I'm going to start that E2M, though, the next round. E2M. Yeah. It's like a um, fitness diet lifestyle club thing. I don't know how to club. Cult? It's not a cult. Jen's going to do CrossFit? No, fuck CrossFit. <laughs> I cannot do CrossFit. I tried CrossFit and I was forced to do CrossFit. I feel like under like the things that I have been forced to do at like for exercise, I can tell you that I if I would have come upon them myself, I probably would have enjoyed them. But since I was forced to participate in them, was not a fan. Hmm. Like, Makes sense. CrossFit and youth soccer. Youth soccer. Youth soccer. <laughs> 
All right, so so we're getting this story started right now. We're going to go to Google Earth. While I pull that up, I will say, if you want to continue this fun, we're doing one here on public, and then the next one will be private. You can easily join us. Go to patreon.com and support us. Plus, you can continue on with trivia. All right, so what state is this, Jen? It doesn't have the labels on it on purpose. <laughs> Jen. Is it Michigan? <laughs> Do I see farm fresh eggs? Yeah. What's New York? <laughs> it borders Michigan. So that was, I'll give you that. And it is also in the United States. <laughs> you're going to get, I know, one day I'm you're going to get socked in the face and you're I not know. even going to see it coming. It's like that video on the S- the SNL sketch. I don't know if anyone's familiar with it. Andy punches people before eating. That's just how I get what? through my rage. He'll punch people before eating? It's a sketch on SNL. It was oh. a long time ago. Andy Samberg. But we are going to Buffalo tonight. This is New York. And there is a trail. So the trail runs through here. This is the trail. You see that this mm-hmm. is a blacktop. Yep. So it is a, a blacktop trail. And what do you notice about this? There's, it's in between the woods woods exactly so a lot of times there would be no one out here so what you would do is you would park down here what most people park and then start the trail up here this is a bike track a bike trail it's five miles long so it goes pretty far as you see and i'm following the trail right here this is it it's almost like a little road it's pretty straight too Hmm. there's a bike trail right near me ask me how many times i've taken my bike out no don't you should sell that bike if you're not gonna use it no i want to i want to use it i know i know all right but that's where we're going to tonight and we are talking about this lady here this is obviously a very tragic event that happened can you describe her for us the the date here is friday september 29th 2006 and this is the victim tonight can you describe her um white woman in her probably 40s or early 50s um hazel eyes red hair a mother of four children her name is joan diver j-o-a-n diver 44 years old she is a homemaker currently but she since well that's only because she's got four kids she is about to once her son gets once her youngest gets out of kindergarten she's going to go back to work and she's a critical care nurse and she's really good at her job she is very highly recommended by the hospital she works at and I mean, she is, they're just waiting for her to to come back to work. Now, she is also a a mother who enjoys fitness. You know, you have the, the babies, the kids, and then you, you maybe gain some weight. So you go out and you see all, all the, you, we see all the mothers pushing their babies like hyperspeed down here in Charleston, like running with the carriage, doing like backflips and stuff. Going like off road. I will say like <laughs> strollers are are kind of like hip now. They're, they're not like big mm-hmm. and bulky. They're kind of what's the word I'm looking for? They're like cru- cruising machines. Yeah. Yeah. This <sighs> this is her. This is a photo of her and her her children. You see there. There's only three there. This is prior to her murder tonight. It's a very sad. Mother of four, Joan Diver, critical care nurse, married since 1990. She met her husband at the University of Utah, and we're going to talk a lot about the husband here in a second. But on this day, it's September 29th. It's Friday morning, not even noon yet. She had just dropped her son off at daycare at 9 a.m., so right after that. She has a little bit of time. All the other kiddos are in school. She drives her car, a Ford Explorer, to that spot that I showed you. She parks. She gets out, and she she is 
a she's really fit. She actually runs 20 miles a week. Mm. And for a mother of four, that's impressive. So her timeline in her daily life is really organized. As soon as she drops the kid kiddos off, she runs 20 miles a week. So he needed the the youngest needed to be picked up at 11:30 a.m. She parks her Ford Explorer on the on the paved lot, lot and that's on Salt Road. She's only carrying a few things. She's carrying her keys. She's carrying sunglasses or actually she's wearing sunglasses and she has an iPod, iPod shuffle or whatever. Now she runs that trail. And from what I learned about that trail specifically, there's hardly anyone that runs that specific one because there is a, there's a better one that most people run. It's, it's right by the university of Buffalo. So, and this one, as you saw, is highly covered with trees, not the trail itself, but to the left and right, there's a lot of opportunity for someone to take advantage of someone, a mother per se, listening to her iPod, not paying attention. No one else is around. Think about that when you go out too. I only run in our neighborhood. You started running again? Yeah. I mean, I haven't in a couple months just because it's been so hot. hot. Um, but I did go for a yeah, walk. Yeah, that's why I don't exercise. I did go for a walk either. the other day. Yeah. And just walked around for like an hour in the neighborhood. Bill. The great outdoors, you know? I want to do strength training. There you weights. go. I like that. You can c- come before uh, before we record and work out yeah, in the yeah. garage. I could do that. John's like, no, why would you offer that? <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those poor weights. All right. She's- I don't get much attention anymore. Uh-huh. How do you know? I'm in there. I don't use them anymore. Buff. You use your VR for the most part to work out now. There's more to do on VR than just watch porn. Did you know that? <laughs> Joan was running east crossing Davison Road and that is where her sunglasses were knocked off. There's a poultry farm and let me show you one more time the the map just one more time so I can show you. So Joan is running through this trail and if you look over here there the only thing here is a poultry farm and I actually mapped out exactly where she would be. She does cross this. This is a, a path or this right here there's a, an oil pipe that runs under this this path right here and we think that the killer was lying in wait waiting for her to come back there was a clearing so let's say i think it was this way the the person who we're talking about tonight drug her to the north which this is the north facing the poultry farm and then about 40 feet into this wooded area so as you see here even if you're unless you're screaming no one will notice that you are in here plus if you see here there is a big hill that blocks any view from Main Street, which is here. Now, I'm going to read this. This is from the book we're reading, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Despite music piped from her earbuds, the woman heard his approach and turned suddenly, screaming, as he forced the garrote over her head. Oh. She twitched and contorted, trying to evade the wire encircling her neck. So, now this is where it gets really, really gruesome. The body wasn't found for a few days. The back of her head was caved in. No one knows exactly what was used, but detectives think it was a tree trunk. A like tree a, trunk? Not, well, not like a trunk that's in the ground, but like a... Like a big branch? A big branch, yeah. Or, or maybe tree like Tree limb? Yeah, maybe a small, like a pine tree. I don't know. But a limb of a tree. Yes. She was left on her back, running shoes on, spandex shorts pulled down around the left ankle. Only the left? Yeah. 
okay. The reason why, if you think about it, why do you think it's only the left or, or right? It, it it switches, but on this particular one, it's the left. I don't know. If um someone that is trying to to rape a woman, he's got to pull off, you know, pull off the spandex pants. As long as you pull it off one leg, that's that's all you really need. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's not he's not you know carefully pulling it off. He's just ripping it off, and it sticks on one leg. Now he's fine because the legs can open. Kind of yeah. thing. You understand? Mm -hmm. Which is eerie, but it is. If you, yeah. She's left on her back. Her running shoes were on. Spandex shorts pulled down around the left ankle. Blue sweat jacket was across her, her face all the way down uh, to her pubic area. And her iPod was found underneath her body. This, the body was crudely thrown there. Now she's wearing a blue, she was wearing a blue sweat jacket. So if the killer wanted to hide the body, it would be kind of dumb to put a blue sweater over her. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but what was used for the the murder weapon was some 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 sort of wire like a malleable wire mm -hmm. so if you think of like solder and it's not the solder wire because that breaks really easy but what i'm trying to say is it bends you can bend it it's like almost like a like a rope but it's wire right and with these you could you could get it real tight you know cut off the circulation real quick so that was the uh the murder weapon there was a single droplet of sweat left on her steering will the car was moved about two miles which hindered the investigation the police finding her car at the at the point of another trail completely different miles away they start looking there couldn't find the body and then only they went back to this one and that's when they found the body she's uh nicole's reading tonight from from this book this is in the in the giveaway here and it is out of print so a lot of these books I have to buy because they're out of print and this one is called the bike path rapist and it is signed by the judge whoa, whoa by the judge that's cool yeah well, well so. so this is a giveaway option, a, a, a trivia prize option, this book? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, so the book is written by the detectives and the judge, the judge does come in at the, I can't remember his name, but at the last, you know, how they, they do the sentencing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. But yeah, cool. this is uh, part of the giveaway. I finished the story and if you want this book signed by the judge, you know, it's another reason to support us. And all this stuff costs me money. I don't get this free, so... Her legs were bare, but she still had on a shirt and a blue sweatshirt that was draped over her, the second man recalled. I looked long enough to verify that it was Joan Diver, then backed away into the pipeline area and called on a walkie-talkie. Now, what about the husband? Think about that. Where's the husband? Know, you, got you, four, you got four kids. Well, we're going to talk about it, but you have four kids. That's a lot of stress in a relationship. I, I would think. I don't know. I never had kids. I'm going to assume <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> I, but I am. My assumption is based on all the gray hair that my brother, who is only two years older than me, has. And he has three kids. <laughs> So I have it on pretty good authority to know that I do. I would Children never have kids. equal based stress. solely on the coloring of his brother's hair. The detective said, "Quote: Her neck looked like it had been split. Her neck. Oh, well, Tran no, transverse no. or no, 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 not the other kind. Not from hitting her from the the wire. Ooh. The wires, yeah, like sorry. almost like she was decapitated. Almost. Yeah, exactly. That why what I was trying to say is the wire is pulled so tight. Tight. Mm -hmm. It's like that story we just did with he was using the piano wire. Mm -hmm. Remember? Yeah. But this is is about the same consistency. You know, but he I'm pulls wondering... it so tight that it and he leaves it there. So it's it's by forty 
48 hours, it has dug itself in pretty good. I wonder if he uses like bike wire, the wire like for the brake. I do want to say another thing. When a body dies, when you die, you expand, you get bigger. So if that garrot is around her neck really tight, her oh. body is getting bigger, right? Even under her, even her neck. And that is further cutting into her. Does that make sense? Into mm-hmm. her neck muscle. Her neck looked like it had been split. And after he strangled her, he beat her. We assume she was dead by then, but we don't know. So looking at the bruises, it seemed like he beat her after she had died. Now let's talk about the husband. Now t- tell me about the husband here. What does he do? You can kind of tell. Does he work with computers? I'm gonna say engineer. It's a very good guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a good guess. He is actually a professor, a chemistry professor. Okay. What's on his arm? I think he's just oh, carrying good. something like a briefcase oh, oh, or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looked like a... Why did he do it? It looked like a blood pressure cuff or something. Yeah. Uh, They've been married since 1990. They met attending the University of Utah together and they've been happy ever since. Now, there's some things, some weird things about the husband. The husband, a professor of chemistry at the University of Buffalo, which is really relatively close to where this crime takes place. Detectives, they interview him first because as the saying goes, it's always the husband. If you watch any of the the crime shows, they uh, detectives, they always look at the the family first and a lot of times they get kind of laser focused and tunnel vision but they always start there that professor the husband was a chemistry teacher at the university of buffalo during that day it's a friday there were large amounts of time that he could not account for from what he said he was in the lab he gets there in the morning 7 a.m 7 30 whatever goes into the lab and he locks himself in the lab where he's doing an experiment it's kind of unusual but he's doing it solo this chemistry experiment and until 10 45 which the the child had to be picked up at 11 so it we would assume this murder had already happened. At 10.45, he bumps into a fellow professor. And that professor recalls a kind of a, a weird, a weirdness about this, about his, his, uh, Interaction. Interaction about his, uh, what do you call it? Acquaintance. He was in an agitated state of mind, the man recalled. His reaction to my presence was unlike anything I had seen in 10 years of knowing him. Upon seeing me, his expression was one of surprise, then changed to anger or hatred, and I felt threatened. The hairs on the back of my neck went up. Quote, he returned to normal and said that everything was okay. Steve Diver has always, always been a straight arrow. This was so out of character and inconsistent with every action I have seen from him. So what do we have here? The detectives go in. Okay, you're in the lab. You're by yourself. That's kind of weird. First for that, you're doing a chemistry exam, experiment. Okay. A lot of time unaccounted for. All right. But and he, sorry. when you find out that your wife didn't pick up your youngest, instead of calling 911, you, you call the, the sheriff substation in Clarence. That's odd. If I find out my wife is missing after she went for a run, I'm not going to call the the uh, Mount Pleasant police. I'm going to call 911, right? Wouldn't y'all? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the number to the Mount Pleasant. You know what I mean? I wouldn't know the local number. I think to look it up, I would just call them. Joan Diver, when her body was found and examined, she wasn't raped, but it, it definitely looked like she was Hmm. now a nurse driving back from the bank that friday saw saw a man pull this woman from the trail because you can kind of see on main street a little bit and if you're at the right angle so she sees a man pulling or excuse me she sees a man coming from the trail there was a blank look on his face the woman said he had sandy brown hair a tan jacket 
a white shirt with dark stripes and light blue jeans. He had a strange facial expression that scared me. Like, you know, you did something wrong. Like, you can't believe you did that. He looked like he was in a state of shock. I worked as a nurse and I've seen that expression before. He straightened up as I got close. Like he didn't want me to notice him and he didn't want me to see that he was hurt. His appearance frightened me. So I left. One week later, that nurse sees the husband, Stephen Dyer, on the news. And she says the following to the detective, quote, with the expression of somewhat heavier look under his chin and his hair slicked back and no glasses. When I saw him on the bike path, I'm pretty sure it was the same person. I'm 90 to 95 percent sure now here's the thing the husband was the first to spot his wife's car okay it was at that trail the original trail before it was moved he's by himself he goes out by himself spots the car tells the sheriff and then the husband goes home to change his shirt Mm. and then the husband goes back he puts his bike in his car goes back and doesn't notice that his wife's car is no longer there now you saw the the Google map. I mean, there's no cars out there. You would notice if your wife's car was there and then 20 minutes later, it is not there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what he's telling the police. He would not consent of a search of his wife's vehicle once the the vehicle was found, although they did get a warrant to search it. At 2.30 p.m., that car was discovered three miles away. The detectives, when they got in the car, because they found the car first, they were driving to look for his wife. He started pointing out all the spots that she was likely to be. Quote, this would be a good place to search for her. That's what she would say. And he ends up drawing on the map, which he knew the bike trail perfectly even though he never really goes there. He drew two circles of where he would think she was. And in one of those circles, that's where she was. They they noted in their files that the husband was acting really strange. All right, where are you, where are you guys at so far? I mean, it just doesn't... it's adding up but like if you're looking at it from an outside perspective like we are it just doesn't add up like if i wasn't if i I know that's contradictory statement it literally is the opposite of what i said but as a as someone who's listened to a lot of true crime cases it's like oh okay this is starting to add up but if it was someone was telling me the story it's like oh wait something's going on here Mm -hmm. all right i want to say before now i'm gonna kind of introduce the whole case in general we are in buffalo new york and buffalo has one of the highest crime or excuse me highest poverty rates in the nation i didn't know Really? I yeah. didn't either. You'd think that they would have like not. I, I don't. So I have never associated that area with. High well, I guess they got a lot of teachers that live up there. I'm just kidding. Well, that's true. Mm. Teachers are poor. Yeah. But in, in the Northeast, they're not. It's it's quite different. Oh, the educators all over are not compensated the way that they should be. But it's not as bad up north than it is down south. Three days before Jones murder, a mysterious envelope arrived at the Buffalo Police Headquarters. There was no return address. There was a photocopy of a 2005 article from the Buffalo News about the bike path rapist. Now, this is the the article right here. So you see alleged rapist suspected in Buffalo man charged in Vermont is now considered the the string of bike path rapes in the Amherst area. Mm. Now, they went through a lot of suspects. So who this is talking about is not the the actual the actual rapist. 
Now, before I get any further, there if you know about this case, you also know that they put a mentally handicapped man named Anthony Capozzi in prison for 22 years that they thought was the bike path rapist. Because as you'll see, the bike path rapist turns into the bike path killer. It's almost like the Golden State Killer. You remember the Golden State Killer yeah. at first was the Visalia Ransacker, mm -hmm. and then he went to the... East Area Rapist. East Area Rapist, and then, like, in all rape cases, in all rapist cases that we've covered, they always escalate to murder, either by accident or on purpose. Sometimes it's accidental, you know, but they all get there. And once they cross that line, they, they keep the serial killing going. You know what I'm saying? So in this paper was highlighted the fact that in 1994, there was no sperm. So, so this bike path rapist was active between 1981 to 1994 or 1996. However, in 1994, the rapes, which there were plenty of, of rapes on file for him. There was no sperm until, until, and then 1996, it went completely, completely blank. Like he, he stopped doing it. The reason I'm trying to say this is because that one piece of sweat found on Joan Diver's steering wheel, now with DNA, the where it's at or how far it's advanced, matched the, this bike uh, path rapist entirely. So now they know who it is, but they didn't know that it was part of the same thing because there was no murder this is the coming out of retirement so kind of like stops BT in 1996 and then doesn't kill again until 2006 so so like he had a bunch of kids maybe four kids and then decided that he was going to pick up again no no the question is why was there no sperm in in 1994 to 1996 he was using protection no, i maybe i i don't know or I, maybe he didn't like come to completion maybe he went like in and out and then was like okay i'm done but wasn't done they would still find sperm though traces sperm, so, no i'm confused so all right so, so semen you said there was no sperm no, no no semen okay is that white gooey stuff that comes out of your wiener oh yeah i know what's seem okay okay, okay. So, so he's in so he's infertile sperm is i the, understand the, oh, yeah. got, got the it. millions of swimmers got it. swimmer yeah. well mine goes like this apparently because i smoked a lot of dope but, and they bump into each other it's like you're confused yeah you're high it's like hey you look hot wait aren't you my cousin that's a southern joke all right <laughs> <laughs> There are two reasons that there was semen but no sperm on those rapes, okay? Either he has testicular cancer or some disorder like that, or he's got a vasectomy. Okay, that's the reason why. Yeah, that's what Brittany said. He had a vasectomy. Oh, nice. You should give her a point. All right. That was good. <laughs> Say, say less. <laughs> this case is both the rapist and the serial killer. They are the same person, but it is basically two separate cases. So try to stay with me here. So he had his time where he was just raping and then he took a break and then decided to start killing people. No, he he stopped. Just let me get to it. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to rush you. Three days before Joan's murder. So this is in 2006. An envelope goes to Buffalo Police Headquarters and I showed you the uh, newspaper that was in it. It talks about the bike path rapist and, and underlined was the fact that he could not produce sperm. Very weird. On the back of the article was one name, Arnold Ware, W-A-R-E, and an address for 
or whoever this Arnold Ware is. Now, the detectives obviously go there. The detectives go to that address. This guy doesn't even live there. He lives at a new dress. They do find him, and they find a man that is, is uh, very recluse. He is definitely not the killer. He is a, a stoner. He's got a long beard. He is, he is overweight. He has no computer, no TV, and he doesn't even have a car. Maybe that was his house in the woods. It's definitely not their guy. The detective says about this, he was slow on the uptake, kind of spaced out like a throwback to the 1960s. He was smoking pot because we found roaches in the ashtray. We talked to him twice, but he claimed to have no knowledge of how that letter got to us. Once the DNA came back, they also figured out it wasn't him either. I'm just trying to get through the case. But I will say that even if they did bring the, the bike path rapist in before they knew that he also killed, they wouldn't be able to charge him with anything because the statute of limitation in New York for rape is five years. What do you guys think about that? You know, you're not even the statute of limitation on rape is five years. That's that's shit. What year was this? Two thousand and six. Yeah. Have they changed that in New York? I feel like they. It's seven here. I mean, that's only two more years. I just, I just don't understand how a violent crime such as that could have a statute of limitations. But I'm, I don't want to like because it sucks being a woman. Yeah, but I mean. Well, men get raped too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Are the you, majority of rape cases against men though? No. Okay. No, so but they still happen. I mean, it's it's, and I think that even if it was a a, a male getting raped, like even if he got raped. 20 years ago and was ashamed to not say anything about it and then decided that he wanted to say something about it. Agreed. He deserves justice as well. Uh, agree. But I'm just saying. It it, is... Majority of rape cases are a crime against women. Yeah. Like a majority. More than, more than 90%. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, there still should be, a, like there should not be a statute of limitations on that. On a violent crime. I agree. Men do get raped. They we do. already said that. Yes, we know. Oh. You weren't listening to us. See? See how it feels? See how it feels? Mm-hmm. Well, it feels all right to me. I'm just kidding. So the Joan murder happened 29th of September. Right now we're going nine days before. I want to show you what it's like to be approached by this man. Show me the meaning. Now, I know I kind of, I, I kind of took you guys through a loop, but the detectives are... I thought it was a straight line bike path. The detectives are notoriously terrible when it comes to this case. This specific this case. This specific case. I mean, they let this this killer go for 20-something years. Shame. And and you saw what we went through with the, the husband. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the husband. It wasn't. No, but they spent so much time on the husband and all this stuff. And, and, I, tell, and I told you how that woman's like, I'm 95% sure. Now you can see how that shit really destroys... You know, a case. Not only is his character, but anything. So we cover a lot of these cases. And let's say a a sketch comes out, a composite sketch like like it did here or an FBI profile. Mm -hmm. If it is right, then it can really improve the chances of bringing justice to the victim. However, if it is wrong and it is usually way off when it is wrong, then it will completely almost make the case unsolvable. We've done we've done Stories where, oh, the FBI profile comes back. Yeah, it's a it's a, a white man living with his parents. It turns out to be a black killer with a whole family or something. So what I'm trying to say, 
say is police, they're not going, they're trying, they have tunnel vision when it comes to the sketch. They're only looking for the certain type of person. So even with this woman and this woman, the woman we're about to, to tell you about, even with their information that this guy was a Mediterranean looking, Hispanic looking, which the father, the husband was not, he's a white guy from Utah. They still were focused on the husband, you know? Because anyway. he was acting fishy. I mean, was he? You go back to everything I said. Was he really acting fishy? Nicole's like, I don't I, know. Hindsight is... <laughs> I've been reading the live chat. I have no idea. Yeah, this is the entire case. So I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now we're going nine days before. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you right now what it's like, and not just in with this rapist, but with someone like this. And this this will make you never want to leave the house again. We're going to the Elliott Creek bike bike path. This is the better bike path. This is the one that that wraps around the University of Buffalo, which is somewhere over here. Um, I don't know. Look for a big university. Oh, here it is, right here. So this is the University of Buffalo. This Elliott Creek bike path is where we're going, and this thing wraps all the way around. See, it comes way down here mm-hmm. and all the way around. It's a huge, huge um, trail. But as you see, there are some spots on this trail that I'm trying to show you a good example. They're like wooded. right here. Yeah. That you could possibly get dragged into. Now, a lot of students walk on these these trails, too. So it is very it's more risky for for this man who is not the the husband of, of Joan Diver. This is nine days before September 20th. This is a, another victim in this will creep you the shit out. Shelly Fuller is her name. She is walking down the Ellicott bike path, which is a five mile bike path through Amherst. She's got her Cocker Spaniel poodle with her named Tully. They go across the University of Buffalo and she sees a woman enter the North Forest and Maple Road. Okay. On the trail? On the on the trail, yeah. So that was just the intersection. Got it. Suddenly, Tully froze, her eyes and ears alert, nose twitching at invisible sense, facing left with head held stationary. The dog emitted a low growl. I heard what sounded like a person stepping in the wooded area behind me, Fuller said. I looked up and down the path, but I was completely alone. She didn't want to go walking because she was already creeped out about this. And she recalls the the bike path rapist that happened in Buffalo. And this was a whole thing, span of rapes over however many years, 16 or whatever. So everyone around there is still freaked out, even though it's been 20 years since anything's happened. Okay. She goes in because she sees another woman going in. So she's like, cool. This is like my unofficial walking partner. And she didn't know that that woman was jogging too. And she was just walking with a dog. So that woman's gone. Mm -hmm. I heard what sounded like a person stepping into the wooded area behind me. So she can hear things cracking, little sticks cracking, stuff like that. The dog, he is starting to sense something is Mm -hmm. not right. So she takes off jogging. She sees an older man walking, but he's too far ahead. She's like, excuse me. Hello. Hello. Couldn't get his attention. You know, he's old, so he can't hear. Right. You know, this is I put pay attention in my notes because this is a good idea for women. She picks up her phone and calls her husband. Nothing. Voicemail. But she doesn't say, oh, shit. End call. Put it back in her purse. She pretends to talk to someone. Oh, yeah. I'm almost at the bridge. Do you see me? Can you see me? You know, that's that's pretty smart. Yeah. In my opinion. Looking back, a man emerged from the woods on the other side of the stream. He bent down to retrieve something from the brush. 
Valera's heartbeat pulsed and she took off running again. She takes off running, looks back. This man is was obviously right by. There was a man there and he looks down and he picks up something. He was there stalking her 100 percent. She's creeped out, but she's running now. And if that guy wants to catch up with her, he's got to run. Right. All right. And then it makes it obvious. She hears something. She hears the sound of a bike. The, the, uh, mm-hmm. the gears going. Yeah. Coming closer to her. It's getting louder. Yeah. And she's starting to freak out. So she she looks back and she sees this man had jumped on a mountain bike. Where did he get that mountain bike from? It was in the woods. He stashed in the woods where he was camping out or stalking her. Mm-hmm. It's one of those mountain bikes with the straight bars. Mm. And he is pumping straight towards her, looking straight in her eyes, coming at her at an intense rate of speed, just... <laughs> Yeah. She sees his forehead covered by a baseball cap. And this is what she tells police he looks like. She survived. And but we're going to tell you everything here in a second. This is kind of what she looks like or the, the guy looked like is the uh, so he was wearing this baseball cap mustache kind of. Like Freddie Mercury. Very dark eyebrows. That was one of the things she noticed. Now, she told police all this and they just kept focusing on the husband. The husband didn't have dark eyebrows or anything like that. Mediterranean features, possibly Italian or Hispanic, dark hair, baseball cap, mustache, thick eyebrows, wore exercise clothes, sweatpants, and an exercise jacket. Carried a fanny pack. And he in the fanny pack, we'll find out that he has duct tape because he's going to use it to to put across the victim's nose and mouth. Mm. But the biker was not through. He had turned around, was now riding toward Fuller once more, staring with a look of controlled rage. She had done something to upset him. He rode past me again and gave an evil smirking grin, Fuller recalled. He looked mad as hell. He looked mad as hell, but... He decided not to attack her. So she walks out. She calls the police immediately and gives them that sketch and everything else. Now, she also remembered that on this day, 16 years ago, was the anniversary of the first murder that this bike path rapist committed. Mm. And that's what we're going to we're going to go through the M.O. and all the murders here. In How a did second. she remember that? Everybody around this area remembers that. It was huge news because it was it was a rapes that were happening over and over on these bike paths. I mean, we're talking about 20, 25 rapes in a span of a few years, mm. all in the same sort of way on these bike paths, all with the rope. It's just that one time, well, two times, actually, that those those uh, victims ended up murdered. And that was, you know, 20 years, 16 years ago. So now we go back to the John Diver case. It's like he's out of retirement. You know what I'm saying? And then he's back. Right. So. Hmm. But how can we be sure that it's him and not a copycat? Well, all right. Ooh, good question. Well, the DNA. Oh, the, the no. DNA from the the rape kits. Got it. Sorry. And in fact, the uh, one of the DNA. This is uh, one of the testimonies we're about to read now that connects this guy to this serial killing. Now I'm about to stop this episode after this testimony. I'm going to show you what the guy looks like because he's caught and he's still in prison. He'll be there for life. But in the next episode that we're going to do for our supporters, we're going to go through all the killings and how his mo changes because we can see it through all the something you know 20 rapes or whatever we can see the the mo changes we can see him changing his style he's trying different things you know he he didn't start with the garrots you know he, he started with a knife he at one point tried a gun but that didn't work and i'll tell you why then he found the malleable wire stuff like that so he's changing and then we're talking about the first murder which is the one that this victim remembered when she ran out of the woods anyway I hope you guys are staying with me. This is kind of a 
It's kind of an all over there place. We're going to go back now into one of the first ones. That's fine with you guys. We're actually going back to 1981. This is when he started. Now, the the rape didn't or the killing didn't happen to 96. 1981. This is a good 15 years. Can you read the number seven? It's a long one. This is the whole victim testimony of a 21 year old Buffalo College student. This is what she wrote. And this is going to really tell you who how this guy acts. 21-year-old Buffalo State College student. About 9.45 a.m. yesterday, 4.14.81, I was walking through Delaware Park on my way to school, and it was just about the Statue of David area when I passed a jogger running in the opposite direction. I didn't think anything of it because I see joggers in the park all the time, although that morning was a rainy day and he was really the only one I saw. I kept walking when all of a sudden the same guy came up behind me, and as I turned to see who it was, he grabbed me by the front of my coat at the collar. I started to hit him with my umbrella, and that's when he showed me his knife. It was like a scalpel, but larger. It had a light brown handle, I believe, and the blade didn't look shiny, and it was about three inches long and curved at the end. He said, come with me or I'll cut your fucking face. He kept pulling me by the collar and kept saying the same thing as he said before. I was so terrified I couldn't even scream, but there was no one around anyway. He pulled me along a path toward Delaware Park Lake. He then said, come on, let's ride for a while, still holding the knife where I could see it about a foot away from my face, hanging on to my coat front. We ran and walked about 150 to 200 yards. And then finally, he pushed me off the path into a cubby hole of bushes. Then he ordered me to take my pants down and I took them down, but not my panties. He got really angry and said all the way down and pushed me down to the ground. He untied his string of jogging suit pants and bent down and flung my legs back and for a while just held the knife to me at the vaginal area. I was sure he was going to butcher me with it and I kept screaming, please don't hurt me. And he said, okay. And he forced his penis into my vagina. Then after he was through, which was not too long a time, he got up, pulled his pants up and said, give me 30 seconds. And he took off. Okay. Now, we're about to end it here, but I want to show you for this episode. Three days later, this 21-year-old college student gets the nerve to go to leave her house. Because after this, such a traumatic event, you don't want to... The whole world is evil to you. Right. Three days later, she gets the courage. She goes out with her sister, and they go to the mall. She scans the crowd while she's walking. Questions and self-doubt seem more tangible here. Being raped is a life-changing experience. Would the world ever appear as it had just three days earlier? Moreover, might strangers glance at her face and see trauma forever etched behind her eyes? Suddenly, she tensed, reaching for her sister's arm. Nearby, a stocky, olive-skinned man walked along a blonde woman pushing an infant stroller her mind race disbelief was staggering that's him she knew that's the man who raped me their eyes met and he turned apprehensive as well quickly he hustled the woman and the baby away she got the car make a blue oldsmobile and the license plate number the police went to the home with that car registered it was a wilfredo caraballo she wilfredo lies about the car because it's unregistered now this is in 1981 this is the one of the first rapes if she didn't lie about that car being unregistered and she said that it the car there's no way it was we we don't drive it it's unregistered mm -hmm. they looked at her yeah she didn't look any Anything like what this lady described. Mm -hmm. 25 years later, she comes into the police station and says, I lied to you 25 years ago. That was my nephew driving the car. 
And this is the killer here. Whoa. The nephew. All those rapes, three murders could have been avoided if that car was registered. She didn't want to get in trouble. Her nephew, Altimio Sanchez, who is known as the bike path rapist and bike path killer, was driving that car that day with his wife and his newborn baby. Mm. Wow. And like I said, this is him right here. That's wow. him. What do you guys? He's got some chompers on him. What do you guys think? Whoa. I mean, I, I never heard a case where a woman gets raped and then is three days, three days later at the mall and she sees the guy. Not only that, she tells the police the make and model and the license plate number. And the police, if they would have just done a little bit more and even asked if she had any family that may have couldn't could have driven the car, you know? If that car wasn't unregistered, and we're talking about 25 to 30 rapes and three murders, we're going to get to all that in the next episode. But on the next, this next murder, I'm going to show you her photo here. This would be the first one. We're going to start the episode two on her. And the detective says, quote, I've been a cop for a long time, and I believe that everybody is capable of murder, but not too many people are able to watch someone die a slow death. This guy did. Wow. So that's where we're going to start for next episode. But anyway, what do you guys think? I know it's kind of slow and uh, a lot of information there, but you know, that was I, hope crazy. You guys, I hope you guys like the, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And for, so we are going to do an, uh, the part two on that. We're also, if you guys want to stay and if we have time and, it, you know, you guys can support us or whatever and watch that. Uh, but we're going to talk about something totally unrelated, but we're going to, I'm going to tell you where the best place to murder someone is. And by best place, I meant there is a 50 mile stretch in the United States where there is a loophole a jurisdiction loophole that you can kill someone and be com- completely exonerated because stay tuned for murder tips <laughs> <laughs> like what have God, we come to I know <laughs> Who is listening to this? Nicole, Nicole and I do not condone murder. I'm not. I'm a little okay. unsure about your allegiances, John. Well, it's not. It's not as easy as driving your car to you. It, there is a mountain, and you got to do some hiking. But and plus, you have to. You have to do every part of the crime there. You have to because if you if you plan the murder, let's say here in South Carolina, that's conspiracy to murder. You're going to jail. You have to do every part of that murder in a 50 mile space. But if you're giving them up how to. <laughs> If you're telling them that they have to plan the murder in this 50-mile space, wouldn't they already know that they were going somewhere to plan a murder? Like how did you can't make that happen? If I say, "Hey, let's go let's go take a let's go take a vacation in nature. I know a perfect place up in the mountains, it's beautiful." You ain't going to know, "Oh, is that the zone of death where you can actually kill someone?" No, and- but if you're planning on taking someone there to murder them, then you have already plotted and your 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 whole case is just gone. What I'm just saying, Jen, okay? I'm just saying. You wanted to glamp. You always talk about that. Perfect yeah. opportunity. Not there. <laughs> and, and and that's all I got. So I hope you guys enjoyed that story. And until next time, my name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. Good night, you lovely, lovely people. <laughs>